Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many things you've already blessed us with this day. And once again, the opportunity to get back into your word. Help us now as we do a little study in here to apply it in the right way, to understand it, and then to grow closer to you through our studies and closer to you through all of this. Let us always bring honor and glory to you. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. The most valuable gift this time of year with Christmas approaching and a lot of people out shopping and getting various gifts. And we got to understand that the most valuable gift ever given was the gift of salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ is available to everyone. But it's interesting also, when you have a gift and you give it to someone else, that you no longer have it because you've given it to someone else. But salvation is different from that because the Lord has provided us with an opportunity to be a part of His work and share the gift that He has given us. And we can take that gift and pass it on to someone else, but yet we still have it ourselves as well. That's what makes it so valuable and so valuable because the Lord Jesus Himself come down to take on flesh to live amongst us some 33 years and die on that cross was buried, rose again the third day, stuck around some 40 days preaching and teaching, ascended to the Father, sits on the right hand of the Father, our great high priest, the mediator for us, providing us with a gift. Providing us with a gift, but not forcing us to take that gift. That's the difference there when it comes to, to gifts, is you have to reach out and receive it. You have to take it, and take it into yourself and possess it, open that gift up and utilize it. Otherwise, it doesn't function. It isn't that you can take the gift and set it on the shelf off to the side and not open it up. That would be like you believe in Jesus Christ, but you're not living in Jesus Christ. The satanic people, the Satan worshipers, the Antichrist, they believe in Jesus Christ, but they're not living in Jesus Christ. That's the difference. Like when you see John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That gift that the Lord gave us, the most valuable gift ever, ever given, has to be taken, received, by living in Jesus Christ. And it says, should not perish. It doesn't say shall not perish. Because you can have a belief in the existence of Jesus Christ. There are religions out there that believe Jesus Christ is a prophet of the past, that He lived, He was a great man, and He died. They believe that. But they don't believe Him as their Lord. They haven't received Him as the ultimate authority. They haven't begun to live in Him and, and He in you. They haven't taken that in. Therefore, they fall under the ones that will perish. They didn't take it in. That's why it says, should not perish. Believing in Him should result in you trusting in Him, receiving that gift, opening it up and applying it. Then you've truly received it. Because it's just like this, this Christmas when you start receiving gifts and you you. you receive a gift, it's all wrapped up in a box, what are you going to do? Are you going to just set it off to the side and not even ever open it or utilize what's in it? 
If so, you, you still haven't received that gift. But when you open it up and you use it, you take it out of that box and you apply it, then you've truly received it. That's the difference when it comes to a mental acknowledgement of the existence of Jesus Christ or a heart acknowledgement and receiving of Jesus Christ to truly receive the most valuable gift of all time. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. It is beyond what we could possibly explain to someone the value of that gift. We could live a thousand lifetimes over and still never earn enough to purchase that gift ourselves. The gift is given to us by grace. And it provides us with a cleansing. It provides us with salvation. It provides us with a renewing. Because we got to understand that when we come into this world, we are spiritually dead. Because of what Adam and Eve did all the way back there in the garden. All mankind, when they're born, when they exist, they are spiritually dead. We are a trinity after all. We're built... We're made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. The Lord is God Almighty, the Holy Ghost, and the Son. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So we got to know that we also are body, soul, and spirit. We come into this world, body and soul, spiritually dead. When we receive Jesus Christ, we receive that gift, we become spiritually alive, born again. That's where the term comes from, born again spiritually then we become a trinity. We'll live with the Lord for eternity. But it's because of what Adam... Well, go to Romans chapter 15. We'll get into some of this. He explains it pretty well here in Romans chapter 15. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification for even Christ. Please not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee till, excuse me, fell on me. That's all the sins of all mankind fell on Jesus Christ. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. We can go back and look at all the prophecies of the Old Testament being fulfilled by the coming of Jesus Christ that we commemorate on Christmas. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been given the opportunity to be a part of His work. Therefore, let's take it, let's use it, apply it properly, and know that it's because of what He did, and what He did was prophesied that it would be, and as we spoke of, we can look back up a little bit to Romans chapter 5 and see how what was prophesied was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. Over in Romans chapter 5, pick it up here in verse 1. It reads, Therefore, being justified by faith, that faith in what we just read about, the prophecies being fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ and Him taking on all the sins of all mankind, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, not through ourselves, not through our works, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, unmerited favor, grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That hope is one of those gifts that we receive. That hope is part of it. And hope is the confident anticipation and expectation of the fulfillment of the prophecies and promises of God. Just as we read over in chapter 15, the prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ to take on all the sins of all mankind, fulfilled prophecies. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't come and die for the godly. He came and died for the ungodly, which basically is everybody. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, it isn't that we became such a wonderful, righteous person that then he gave us that sacrifice. No. It was by grace. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Like I was speaking of earlier. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Even though you didn't do the same thing that Adam has done, you are still dead in Christ when you come into this world. But not as of the offense of, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Notice here, unto many. It doesn't say unto all. Although Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price of every sin of all mankind, past, present, and future, that doesn't automatically make everyone part of the family and born again. And not as it was by one that sin, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation, Adam's sin. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of, of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. He is the only one that could do it and the only one that has to do it. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Once again, everybody. It isn't that you can live such a wondrous, righteous life that you are exempt from having to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You cannot work your way to heaven. You have to receive the gift. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. 
For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Many. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned to death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of what He has done, we can have everlasting life. We can have eternal life. And as He pointed out there, that when we come into this world, we are sinners. We are spiritually dead. And as it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you're thinking, okay, well, what is death? We read there earlier about reconciliation to God. That's basically what death is. Death is separation. We can easily comprehend life and death in the physical world. And life and death in the physical world is separation too. You're with your body or you're separated from your body. You have life in it or you're separated from that life. The same thing with our relationship with God. We are either bound to God, reconciled to God, or we are separated from God. Adam and Eve were separated from God immediately when they sinned. They died spiritually. Later, they died physically. But when we are reconciled to God, we are brought back to life spiritually, connected to God, never to be separated from Him ever again. Does that mean we're always going to live a righteous life? No, of course not. As many will stumble, many will mess up, many will fall, many will get back in the mud, wall around and get dirty, but we need to go back to the Lord and get it clean, get it wrapped, get it taken care of. He's paid the price for that sin already even before you do it. It doesn't mean that you get born again and again and again. No, it means that you can get cleaned up. You can, you still have permission. You're not in the will of God, but He will allow you to be disobedient. But as He tells us in here, the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. So even though we've received a gift of salvation, we've become adopted into the family, sealed, never to be separated from God ever again, then it's our responsibility to listen to Him by His guidance that He gives us through the Holy Ghost and do what He wants us to do. And then we can receive the blessings. We can receive the rewards. We can apply those in a millennial period and enroll them over into the eternal state. So much ahead of us as Christians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. That's grace through faith. It's amazing that He has given us so much and allowed us to be a part of so much. And we got to understand that Everything that He's given us is by grace. Even though we can work and receive rewards, it's still He gives us far more than we deserve, even in that, by grace. As I was reading there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 again, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift. The most valuable gift. And then in verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. If it was something that you earned, if it was something that you worked so hard for and then achieved, then you could brag about it. But the most valuable gift is given to us by grace. 
And that's one of the key things. And it's so awesome that if we properly apply that gift, that we can bring honor and glory to the Lord. He allows us to stay here after we receive that gift in order to bring honor and glory to Him, in order to build up rewards and to use those later as well. Otherwise, when we got saved and sealed and reconciled to God, He would just take us on home. It doesn't work that way. He allows us to then show our faith, our trust in Him our obedience in wanting to serve Him and please Him, and He allows us to do a work. It isn't that we have to, it is that we get to. In 1 Peter chapter 1, picking it up in verse 13, Since we have been adopted into the family by the finished work of Jesus Christ, since we have opened that gift and have now applied it, we should do what he's speaking of here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means clear-minded. Sober means to be clear-minded. Not to get your mind all messed up with weird teachings or strange beliefs or... It could even be applied to substances. Anything that clouds your mind. You can cloud your mind by your own attitude, by your own belief system. So keep your mind clear. How do you do that? By trusting in the Lord, listening to the Lord. Get yourself out of the way. Let Him come forward. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That means getting it ready to receive what the Lord wants you to have. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children. Notice, obedient children, not disobedient children. Because it clearly says in here, the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. The former lusts are the lust of the flesh. Those are our desires, our will. No matter what they are, whatever it may be, if you are of the attitude that this is my body, I can do with it as I please, you set your goals in life, and then you set out to achieve those goals, then you are fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. Whatever those goals are, because they're your goals, you need to come in as a hunk of clay and say, Lord, mold me into whatever you would have me to be. And when you get your relationship with God just right, when you are so well prayed up and listening to the Holy Ghost, then your will becomes matched with His will, and then you're doing it right. Difficult, yes. We all have that tug of war like Paul was writing about. The things that we want to do, we really don't do. The things we don't want to do, we wind up doing we get that tug of war. We all in the flesh still. So we got to get that out of there. It reads as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That isn't just your talking. Conversation means your interactions, your relations with others. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, 
who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Here he's telling us to be afraid, to be fearful. This kind of fear is a reverence fear, as well as a fear of accountability when it comes to the Lord. We can be fearless out there in the world when we're going up against mankind, or even up against Satan. We can be fearless. But we need to really fear what the Lord can do. Because He judges us for what we have done and what we have not done. And there is accountability for all of us. So when you mess up, you need to take it to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Get it washed in the blood so it won't be brought back up against you by the Lord. Satan will bring it back up against you. You'll bring it back up against yourself. But the Lord won't bring it back up. Verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ is to redeem us, to buy us back from our sinful ways and to wash us clean, totally clean, Wipe everything gone. Not to be brought back up against you. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful gift. Satan will bring up your past against you. Your family will bring it up against you. You will bring it up against yourself. But don't do that. Let it go. Wipe it out. The Lord has cleansed us of it. It's gone. Forget it. Who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 to see the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah being our great sacrifice and in conquering Satan. These who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Over and over, just like in Sunday school, we see to love one another, love one another. That was the great commandment that the Lord gave us, to love God with all your existence, to love others as yourself. That's the kind of gift that we can share as well. Being born again, that's where it comes from. Born again, reconciled to God, raised from the dead. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And you can say amen to that. And that is awesome that the Lord has done that for us, has given that to us, that unspeakable gift, that gift that always keeps given if we really listen to it and latch on to it. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see not only a gift of salvation that He gives us, but when we are indwelt with the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, along with Him comes more gifts. As he tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now when you see ignorant in here, it means without knowledge. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It means that you're without knowledge. You haven't learned this yet. Let me t- teach you something you don't know. Basically what he says. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Dumb meaning not able to speak. Wherefore, I give you to understand 
that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts. See, there are things that the Lord gives you that you can then turn around and apply to bring honor and glory to the Lord, to build rewards, to build the kingdom of God. Gifts that He will give you at various times, in various quantities, as it continues. Wherefore, I give unto you to understand that no man speaking by the... Oops, skip on down to verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. This Holy Ghost is the way of speaking of. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but is the, it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Notice here, it isn't that you receive a gift from the Holy Ghost for yourself. It is you share that to profit all the kingdom. For to one is given by the same Spirit the word of wisdom. What good is it if you have all this vast wisdom and understanding of the Word of God that you just keep it for yourself and you don't tell anybody? But we are to share it. Profit with all, as he says. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith. That's an interesting one. That a gift of the Holy Ghost is faith itself. So we start out with the faith of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then if we lack faith, He tells us to ask for more and He'll give us more. When we take what the Lord has given us and we apply that, then He multiplies what He has given us in whatever form of gift it may be. Verse 9 again, To another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Key part, as He will. He divides it out and gives us what He wants us to have. Then when we turn around and apply it properly, He can multiply that, that much more. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. That's where He's talking about how we need to come together to profit with all. When we come together like we really should, then we'll be working in harmony as a body of Christ. Then we can be productive and be the kind of body that He wants us to be. A unity, not divided up. When Christians come together and work together, then it can be a solid body. When you fraction and fall apart, you're not strong. It's like in construction. You're going to mix up some, some concrete you take the various ingredients, you take the cement, you take the water, you take the sand, you take the gravel, you stir it up, and then it sets up, has a chemical reaction, and then it's very hard, firm. If you don't apply all the ingredients, it crumbles, it doesn't stay together. If you don't put the water in there, it's not going to form into the block. 
and you pick it up, it's just loose and crumbling. So it all has to come together in the proper mixture with the water applied, which is the Holy Ghost applied, and then it gets hard, and then it's firm. Then it's a foundation that can be built upon. When we properly apply the gifts of the Lord, and it is so awesome that we have that free gift available to us, to know that, that we can have that gift of reconciliation, to come back together once again with the Lord, never to be separated. When the Lord was teaching Martha and Mary there shortly before raising Lazarus from the dead, we see over in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, where He said, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. Believest thou this? It's awesome the way he finished that up. Talking to Martha. Believest thou this? Of course, she proclaimed that she does believe. And that's the key. To truly believe in what the Lord has done for us. To truly believe in that free gift. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life the most valuable gift that could ever be given. Like I said there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 again, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift, the gift of salvation. So reach out, receive that gift, open it up, apply it, then turn around and share it with others because it's a gift you can share and still have for yourself as well. He gives us that great commission to go out and preach and teach the gospel, so let's do it. Share what He has given us this time of, of giving and all the time. Not just on a particular day, but each and every day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly do thank You for that unspeakable gift, the most valuable gift of all, the gift of salvation that You have available to everyone that will come up and receive it. And help us all truly do that and then turn around and share that with others as well. Thank you all so much for all of us. We pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all. If you would please stand.